It's not like any other podcast. Coming to you straight from the heartland, where investing is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of the Paranoid Banker Podcast. Yeah, so we could talk about that in terms of... Um, well, let's, just, let's, let's, let's do this a different way. Let me answer your question a different way. Uh, you, know, you know, we're here to talk about multifamily, investing in multifamily, owning it, you know, actively, uh, passively. You know, we've got different, different agendas, you know, all of them. There's no wrong answer. But there is one thing that is common between whether you want to be an active owner or a passive owner. Uh, on reasons why you shouldn't own multifamily real estate. Now, a lot of uh, investment gurus, right, will work their ass off to tell you all of the reasons why you should own multifamily, um, sell you on being an investor, sell you on buying their books and tapes, I used to call them. There's no such things as I don't think tapes anymore. But their course and all that kind of stuff. And by the way, fine. That's fine. Uh, but no one ever wants to talk about why you shouldn't own multifamily real estate. And it's important to have the conversation. Because um, there's like three, I'd say probably three or four reasons why you don't want to own it. Uh, and why you shouldn't invest. Why you shouldn't own your own property and why you shouldn't invest. And I'll give them to you really quickly right now. Um, again, you won't hear anybody else talk about this. No, no, nobody is going to say, well, uh, as part of what we're going to talk about, we're going to tell you why you shouldn't do this. Well, I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't do this. Uh, the first thing is, uh, number one, you don't want to do it if your spouse or significant other isn't on board. And if you've seen, you know, some of you have seen my podcast in the past. Some of you have, um, you know, listened to my podcast too. And I mean, I've had conversations with some of you too. And if there's one thing I've talked about a lot, it's fights in my office, fights on the phone, people calling me, usually men, calling me wanting to know if I'll have a conference call with them and their wife or their significant other to basically talk them into investing in real estate. Whether it's buying their own apartment community, you know, fourplex, eight unit building, whatever, large property, or passively investing in it. And I'm here to tell you, if there is an unconquerable divide of opinion on this with your spouse, with your significant other, it's a bad decision to go ahead and do it. Really bad. Uh, I have seen relationships end, uh, not mainly because of that, but it was a reason. Um, so you want to be on the same page with whomever you, is special in your life, if you do have a special person, spouse, significant other, whatever. Uh, so that's number one. Okay, you don't want to buy a multifamily property if that someone special in your life is totally against it. I'm talking spouse or special person. I'm not talking about the relative that has 25 stories about how you know they've heard um, apartment owners, landlords, etc., get screwed over by tenants, and why would you ever want to own those kind of properties? Why would you ever want to deal with that? No, you don't want to listen to those people because they have no idea. But if it's your spouse or significant other, you need to be thinking about that. So that's number one. Number two, um, I get this call a lot. 
and it's, I got $50,000, I got $100,000, I got $25,000. It's basically all I got. It's the only cash I got, and I want to put it into an apartment property um, and hope it all works out. Uh, I don't think an apartment community is for you if you don't have other funds, other liquid assets, or other assets as part of your financial statement available. So in other words, you don't want to be putting your last $100,000 in an apartment community hoping it all works out. Okay? You don't want to do that. Uh, that is making a bet is what that is. Now, if you have other assets, you've got a house, maybe another vacation home, you got money in savings, you got other money over here, sure, no big deal, no problem. Uh, but it can't be the last penny you've got and you're hoping it doubles or triples in the next year or two. Okay? Um, yeah, if you got 200 grand, you want to invest 100 grand, sure. You got half a million dollars kind of sitting around looking for something to do, you want to put 300, 400 grand, sure. Okay, but if all you got is 25 grand, and you know, it's like the only cash you got, you don't have really much anything else other than that in a car, um, you don't want to do it. Okay, you don't want to do it. Um, so that's reason number two, and it's kind of linked to reason number three. Reason number three is you don't want to own your own apartment community actively or passively if you're going to need the money in a short period of time or sometime in the near future. It kind of relates to number two in a way, okay? But you don't want to do that. So again, I get lots of calls of, I want to invest, I want to be involved, but three years later I might want to do this. Or my daughter's getting married maybe next year and I want to do that. Or there's something coming down the road where you're going to need to pull your money out relatively quickly to take care of something. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a vacation, maybe it's something else. So I always tell people, I think you want to be mentally committed to at least five years. Even if the investment doesn't last five years, you want to be committed to at least five years. If you can't make the connection of investing in a multifamily property, actively or passively, and then the thinking is, God, I might need that money in the next five years for something, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it. Uh, and mainly, re reasons two and three, by the way, are because multifamily, as great as it is, is not a liquid investment, right? I mean, my partners can't call me today and say, yeah, you know, during that uh, half a million dollars I invested in um, July, I need that right now. That's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Okay? I mean, they'll ultimately get their distribution, but it's not like a mutual fund. It's not like a savings account where you can make a call, you know, somebody punches some keys on a computer, and a check's on its way to you. It's not a liquid investment. That's one of the main reasons why it has the kind of benefits it does, by the way. Because it's not liquid. You just can't take it out whenever you want. Okay? So, we've covered um, spouse or significant other needs to be on board. Otherwise, don't do it. Secondly, you can't, like, invest your last penny, you know, hoping it's all going to work out almost like going to Vegas and hoping it's going to have huge returns for you and you got nothing left. Okay? And then the third thing, of course, is you don't want to be putting your money into a property uh, that 
you will actually believe you will need that money back to you um, in less than five years. Uh, I think that's a mistake. I think that's a mistake. And there's one more uh, I, th I think is pretty good to know. Um, uh, again, uh, you won't hear this from gurus and all those kind of people, but I'm going to tell you. So, as predictable as multifamily is, it is also very unpredictable. Okay? So, uh, we can have a fully occupied property today. We could be 90% occupied next month. Okay? We could be 85% occupied the following month. We could then be 100% occupied. In addition to that, um, we may end up spending $40,000 more than what we budgeted for snow removal this year. We can't control the weather. Okay? We may have to pay more for snow removal. We may pay $40,000 less in snow removal. Okay? When it comes to multifamily, even though it is one of the most predictable investments that you will ever be involved in, there are many facets of it that are not predictable. So we pretty much know what our property taxes are going to be. Yeah, We pretty much have an idea what our insurance is going to be. We pretty much know what wages are. So there's a lot of things we know and we can predict. We know what our rent's going to be next month. We know it's going to be three months from now. Okay? So there's a lot of good things that we can predict. But there's a few things we can't. I mean, we can't guarantee occupancy next month, six months from now. We don't know. Um, we can only project. Uh, some of those variable expenses. We can only project, like I said, snow removal. What's our lawn care going to be? All of a sudden, we've got this capital improvement that pops up that we had no idea needs to be done. Okay? The surprise capital improvement um, that just pops itself up and uh, you had no budget for it. You had no idea it was going to happen. Uh, a recent one for us was this derecho storm that we had in August. Okay. You want to talk about throwing something unpredictable into the equation. You know, now we're dealing with new roofs and new siding and new this and new that. And we'll be working on this for another year until it's done. So you've got to go into the investment knowing that it's not going to work like a boring, let's just say bond would, where the same distribution is coming to you every quarter or every month. The same uh, this month, next month, um, the, the same performance, uh, the same kind of predictability, in an, in, in, as a whole, very predictable. But what you don't want to do, for example, is let's say I get my distribution check quarterly, and I get it, and I look at it, and if I kind of say, okay, what's my return? And if I annualize it, it comes up to be like a 22% return annually. Well, that's a big mistake. Now, are you really thinking you're going to get 22% or did you have that kind of 22% quarter, right? On the flip side of that, a big mistake is the same kind of thing. And let's say you look at it and you do the math and it's like, geez, I, I'm, I'm getting like a 2.5% return here. You know, is it really? Well, you don't want to be making that mistake either because maybe it was a 2.5% quarter. The thing about investment real estate, especially multifamily, is you ride it over time. And over time, those distributions, over time, those returns, and then you add the equity component to it, the principal reduction, the increase in value, that's where the wealth is made. Okay. So you can't be one of these investors that goes into it, whether you own your own, 
okay, um, or you're passive, and you're looking at this quarter, next quarter, and you're like, yeah, I'm getting like a 28% return, and you're telling your buddies, I got a 28% return. But on the other hand, you don't want to do the same thing on the other end of things, okay? So you've got to know that going, and if you're uncomfortable with that, if, um, you know, emotionally you got a problem with that, then multifamily is not for you. It's just not. So, you know, there are some other things um, I could probably talk about in, in regards to why you shouldn't buy multifamily. But those are probably the four biggest. Those are the four that I deal with the most, have the most conversations about, talk to investors like you the most, and, um, it, you know, it really comes down to those four uh, for the most part. Thanks for joining Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.garmanblog.com. Thanks for joining Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.garmanblog.com.